Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode number three of A Ball with Eric Os. I am Eric Os, and it is good to have you with us for our first road episode of the 2019 season coming to you from Dozer Park. That's the home of the Peoria Chiefs, the single-A affiliate of the St. Louis Cardinals, a road trip that we've joked about on the broadcast, which is really the first of the season for the Lumber Kings, and the wheels, they are starting to turn now. We had a breakout performance from the first-round draft pick, Connor Scott, just a couple of days ago out in Beloit, a three-hit performance that included the game-tying double in dramatic fashion in the eighth inning, one of just his three hits. He also put on a speed display and really moved like the lease was up, as the artist Drake would say. He stole second base after reaching on his second hit in that victory, come from behind victory over the Beloit Snappers, the single-A affiliate of the Oakland Athletics. And he didn't wait around at second very long either. Connor Scott stole third, so he's got two stolen bases on this season. They came in very quick succession. But really just part of the story here in Clinton. Also today, finding out, we should mention, recording this just before the opener of this three-game series with the Peoria Chiefs, there was a roster move and the first promotion here in 2019 for the Lumber Kings. Michael Donatio had the first home run for the Lumber Kings this season called up to high A with the Jupiter Hammerheads. Now, there was some speculation before the season had begun here in Clinton that they would be receiving a guy like Brian Hernandez, the Venezuelan native, had a pretty impressive season last year out in Batavia under the tutelage of the current manager for the Lumber Kings, Mike Jacobs. Numbers for Hernandez last year in Batavia, which is where he spent all of his season. He had 55 games, an average at 215, but lots of speed. He had 10 stolen bases, three home runs, and 18 RBIs. He will be added to the offensive core. Although he was officially transferred from Jupiter, he had not played any games so far this year out in the Florida State League, so Hernandez will likely be making his season debut in 2019 with the Lumber Kings. Although from what we are hearing today, he is not with the team. We are hearing rumors of a missed flight. So maybe the uh, the, deb- the debut for Hernandez, that is, will have to wait just a couple of days. We are recording this, as I mentioned, for game one of a three-game set. So there has been some shakeup to the Lumber Kings rotation as well. Alberto Guerrero is going to be taking the start here today, which would be his first of the season. But the real shakeup is being just a skip in the start for Josh Roberson, who you heard actually on episode two, Josh coming off a great debut that we were kind of previewing and leading up to, kind of billboarding it for you, his debut at home in Clinton, and Roberson was very sharp again, another five-inning outing for Roberson, but he has been skipped in the rotation, nothing too serious, of course, because he's still with the team, there's no injured list activity, so Roberson probably just some precautions and not seeing him throw the ball in his regular turn, that has meant that Everyone has kind of moved up here in Clinton. Chris Valamont, who we've talked about at times, having another great start to this season despite being a tough luck loser against Quad Cities and just going over what was a tough series in general between those two teams. If you're familiar with what the Lumber Kings had done a season ago as an affiliate of the Seattle Mariners, well, they were being beaten up rather regularly by the Quad Cities River Bandits. River Bandits had won all of the games, in fact, down in Davenport last year and was a big reason why the Lumber Kings missed the playoffs in the first half in 2018. Fortunately, that theme, it continued out in Clinton. They were swept in three games, and so the Lumber Kings walked away from their first homestand with, I would say, kind of a a bitter taste in the mouth because the record was just really not 
very accurate in how well the team had played. They were 1-4 in four at that time. Now 4-5 and five as we record this here today on Monday out in Peoria. So they have turned it around, and as Mike Jacobs, I'm sure, can appreciate that the ball is kind of bouncing in a more even-handed way. I mean, one for four was the start on the year, and you could have made the argument Lumber Kings should have been four and one or even five and oh. That is how impressive they had played. Fortunately, seeing the bullpen kind of banged or hit pretty hard rather in the later innings. They had a game that seemed like it was all sewn up or at least getting there against the Kane County Cougars on a Sunday afternoon, and that was blown on a three-run homer in the eighth. And then out in Beloit, it kind of looked like it would repeat itself. First two games in Beloit, Lumber Kings had not had a whole lot to show for it in the first couple of innings. Lots and lots of strikeouts, which we have come to expect will be part of the game of this team, but home runs as well. And so it, it looked as though the Lumber Kings could have been staring at a 1-5 or a 1-6 start. They did come from behind, though, out in Beloit. And those were their first come-from-behind wins of the season, also their first extra inning win as well. And you can really give a lot of credit to the, the bullpen for staying in those games with some late relief. Tyler Jones, who was the victim of a blown save out at home in Clinton, he rebounded very nicely, a, a great slider that was on display out in Beloit that had led to some strikeouts. I think it was five by the time that Jones had departed, kind of riding the ship after being roughed up a bit. And then in the second come-from-behind effort, which had come on a Saturday afternoon, if you want to call it that, 4 o'clock was our start time. So it was kind of a, a coin flip, whether you wanted to call it a night or a day game. But the Lumber Kings, again, coming from behind. That time it was led by the Connor Scott breakout and again, Gerard Encarnacion. And that will be the subject of this episode of A-Ball here with Eric Ost, Gerard Encarnacion. He was kind enough to take some time and talk with us. We did have a language barrier, so we pressed into service Nestor Batista, who, if you remembered, we had mentioned, placed on the disabled list as part of the first roster move here in 2019. Batista, though, a, a fun guy to talk with, and he was certainly kind enough to to help us bridge the gap on our, our language barriers. My, my Spanish, even despite the Duolingo uh, lessons that I will have from time to time, like I did in the hotel, it's not quite good enough to, uh, to bridge the gap with Encarnacion. But a very interesting and insightful conversation with Encarnacion talking about how he was discovered, which you just have to hear that out of his own mouth, so we won't spoil the ending for you there. But just a, a really interesting guy and how he got here and the milestones in from a different perspective because this is a guy from the Dominican Republic, so his route to Clinton, Iowa, a far different one, and maybe also just the way that he looks at things. When he mentioned going to the GCL, which is where the Marlins Complex is and the Gulf Coast League, well, that was a big moment for Encarnacion because he had gotten off the island in the Dominican Republic, got to the United States, and he mentions comparing that to where his brother's baseball career had ended and where his continues, and having his brother there as well being a, a big uh, advantage, I guess, for him in trying to get acclimated to the culture. We'll also touch on some of the differences that he's still getting used to here on the American side of things of his baseball career. So a very interesting conversation. We also, of course, wanted to hit on some of the other guys over the last week. Will Banfield has been struggling a little bit as of late. It's been a, a one for 23 start as he comes into this series, but the line again for Banfield, it can be misleading at times. He's had some long at-bats that have been turned in. Some of those, I'd say most of those long at-bats have been ending in Ks, but also the outs for Banfield are starting to become a little bit louder. It's just been a lot of bad luck. We were noting it out in Beloit that, you know, only having one hit does not seem very fair to Banfield because of the amount of lineouts that he has had as of late. 
And Beloit, he had a, a rocket of a ball that was hit after an Encarnacion home run. Fortunately, it was right at Peyton Squire, and off the bat, you're thinking big trouble for the Beloit snappers. It turns in to an out, and that was kind of the case with Banfield also in the series against the Quad Cities River Bandits, uh, a series, though, that saw the lo- the offense for the Lumber Kings just really handcuffed by the strikeouts, and it has to be mentioned, they had 17 of them in Game 1 of that series, 20 of them in Game 2, and then in what turned out to be the finale, Thursday was eventually rained out as part of a four-game series. They went down via the strikeout 16 times, and so for a four-game stretch, which included the first game in Beloit, where the Lumber Kings had gone down 13 additional times for strikeouts. There were 66 of them as a team. As we mentioned, though, that is going to be kind of the game for the Lumber Kings here. Lots of power. And the reason why you would maybe take some concern with all of the strikeouts was that the power was supposed to come off of the strikeouts, and it really hadn't shown up. We highlighted Michael Donadio being promoted up to Jupiter and the high-A affiliate for the Jupiter Hammerheads. Well, he was the first to homer, and that was in Game 1 against Quad Cities. So that had to be a refresher and very nice to see for Mike Jacobs to see the power finally play. He knows that these guys can hit it out of the ballpark, and they finally started to do so after Donadio had the home run in Game 1 of this series against Quad Cities. Lumber Kings came right back the following night, hit two in the first inning, one from Christopher Torres, who has been turned in some phenomenal at-bats and kind of misleading too and looking at his average which is around the 220s as we enter this series but lots of walks that have come with it and then home run by Gerard Encarnacion again he leads the team with two of them Uh, Marcos Rivera had an opposite field home run out in Beloit which is always good whenever you see opposite field power but for a guy who hit 12 of them last year in Greensboro that just got to be a sign of things to come as the Lumber Kings, very excited for the, the turnaround of sorts that it has been. There has been only nine games in the books. Unfortunately, winter, it has returned here in the Midwest. Yesterday, we were postponed due to cold weather and then a snowy forecast. It was not snowing at the time. We then got on the bus and it started to snow all the way down here to Peoria, which if you get a chance to check out the Lumber Kings Instagram feed, it's worth it because a lot of The Latin American players were pretty excited to see snow. They they looked like little kids, and then a a snowball fight broke out as a result. Part of that snowball fight is up on Instagram, but that was one of the the common social media videos and posts that you were seeing throughout the Midwest League when it came to the snow. We were looking at Lansing, Peoria, and them all doing the same. So with yesterday's postponement, it was kind of a snow day in the Midwest League. Looking out on the field here, though, what a difference a day can make. There is no snow to be seen. 52 degrees, I think, is what will likely be our temperatures now, hopefully from here on out, and then getting warmer as we are hoping that this was just kind of the last hurrah of winter and that we won't see any more snow despite the fun of the snowball fight. As Mike Jacobs says that, you know, this weather that is on display here in the Midwest League, we tried to ask him who is going to have a bigger advantage for this. Is this something that you think, well, it's got to favor the pitching staff because it will be low-scoring games? And Mike had told us when we chatted with him out in Beloit that, yeah, you would think that, but these have been kind of high-scoring games, and so if I had to pick any side of the ball that is maybe more or less advantage, I would say defense, and defense being less advantage and more of the disadvantage with the weather here. And unfortunately for Clinton, that is a very true thing that has happened so far this season. As I mentioned, nine games in the book so far. They are still searching for their first game without an error. 
and one of the guys that has had some issues in the outfield, and we'll talk with him again, Gerard Encarnacion had a really bad day defensively out just overrunning some balls in the outfield and some odd routes leading to an extra 90 feet here and there, which in tight games, as they were in Beloit, could have been the difference, although they were not. Encarnacion, though, as he will, you will hear on the interview, taking a lot of pride in that defense, and he's got a great arm, so you'd think that just more familiarity out in the outfield would solve those issues because that arm that Encarnacion has, I think he leads the league right now in assists early on here in the Midwest League. It is a cannon, and it is an accurate arm too, and it's kind of like Will Banfield where it is very good, and he has no problem showing it off, and a lot of fun to watch as a result just for Encarnacion early on in this season with poor weather too. You'd imagine kind of playing some havoc, at least defensively, as you look at the Lumber Kings coming into this contest with the Peoria Chiefs. The Chiefs, by the way, have committed 11 errors on the year, while the Lumber Kings, meanwhile, 18 of them. And it has at times factored into what has been kind of a misleading record. We will see if that ship will be righted. Gerard Encarnacion, he will be joining us next. And he will also be joined by Nestor Batista, who was kind enough to translate with us. We will be right back with the both of them. Uh, welcome back here on A-Ball. We are now joined by Gerard Encarnacion, one of the hottest bats for the Lumber Kings right now, and kind enough to translate Nestor Batista. Thanks for taking the time on what was a rain out here in Clinton, guys. Uh, he's saying uh, it's nice to have that right now today. We've <laughs> had this uh, few games playing. Uh, he's saying he's been feeling pretty well, but having a uh, day off today would be great. Yeah, I'll say, how about a, a nice day off for the Lumber Kings? Unfortunately, it wipes out the series finale against the River Bandits. But let's go over what has been the beginning of the 2019 season for you, Gerard. It's been a great start for you. What was something that you maybe came into 2019 that you were working on and you feel like has translated at least through the first week of the season here? Uh, uh, he's saying uh, last year was a good season for him, but uh, last year he had a surgery, a hernia surgery, so he couldn't work as much as he wanted to. So this offseason, being healthy, he put a lot of work into 
fielding, swinging, so that helped him a lot coming into this season. Yeah, I'll say we saw the, the power show for you, too. You had your first home run of the season, which was one of two for the Lumber Kings in the first inning against the River Bandits. Now, you're a big guy, so is power part of the game? And was that something that you uh, were, were happy to see, a ball that we don't see too many home runs hit there? It's right center field. It's a tall wall, pretty far away. But power part of the game for you in Carnacion here? El Él dice que tú tienes fuerza porque diste un home run por el área bien grande del play. Él dice que si el, si el poder es parte del juego tuyo, o sea, si tú eres un tipo de poder que... Bueno, en realidad me considero que, que sí, que soy un, un bateador de poder, pero ayer pensé que esa bola no se iba a ir y mira, Dios me ayudó y esa bola se fue. Uh, he's saying, yeah, he considers himself a power hitter, but when he hit that yesterday, he didn't think he was going to go. But <laughs> that's his first home run, so he's glad he went, up, he went out. Yeah, we were joking. It was such a cold day, right? There were not too many people here. It felt like winter in the Midwest, and we said there won't be any home runs hit here today. Gerard Carnacion proved us very wrong with that home <laughs> run out into center field, and that was fun to watch. And you mentioned your defense a little bit. We've seen at least from our vantage point here in the press box, a cannon of an arm out in right field at times. How much pride do you put on your defensive side of things? Because we've seen the offense, but the defense has also been there too. So where does the uh, the defense factor in as far as importance goes in your game? Él dice que qué tan importante la defensa para ti, porque ellos se han dado cuenta que tú puedes batear, estás haciendo buen trabajo ofensivamente. Él dice que tanta importancia tú le pones a tu trabajo defensivamente. Bueno, le pongo mucho más más gana porque de la defensa depende la, la, la actitud que tú tengas bateando porque si tú tienes buena defensa y tienes buen bateo vas a ser un jugador perfecto tú sabes por eso tienes que trabajar también en tu defensa igual que como trabaja ofensivamente he said he put a more emphasis on his defense than his hitting because he's saying that him out there being able to do the defensive stuff correctly will help him have a great mindset when he comes to hit, too. So he puts a lot of emphasis on doing the right things on the field to come in and hit. We've seen some, some pretty good arms, and I guess it's appropriate that we have one of the good arms here, Nestor Batista as well, who is translating Gerard Encarnacion, who has been the big power bat for the Lumber Kings, offensive bat early on in this season. I wanted to pick your brain on just how you got here because sometimes it's not known too well from American baseball fans about the road coming from overseas. And what was that like when you were being scouted, then signed, and then beginning your professional career? I was wondering if you might be able to walk us through that. Fue la transición tuya de venir de República Dominicana a Estados Unidos, el proceso de los scouts allá, cómo fue que te vieron, cómo tú llegaste aquí en Cresado. Bueno, cuando yo firmé mi contrato <coughs> profesional, yo estuve en Yamasala, República Dominicana, allá fue en Sandinín y Albert a verme, y allá fue que conseguí mi contrato de Liga Menores allá en, la, en Dominicana. He said he was uh, in his hometown, like playing ball, when the two area scouts from the Dominican, Sandy Nin and another guy that works with him, they were out in the neighborhood and they saw him playing. So after that game, they, <laughs> they, uh, he actually became one of the guys that they were going after. 
So that's how he got to come with the Marlins and to those guys. Wow, that's remarkable. So yeah. just passing on the street and they saw the talent and here you are in Clinton. Um, I was wondering, maybe I usually ask the guys when you sign a professional contract or you've been drafted. So in your case, signed as a free agent. Who is maybe the most excited in your family that, you know, you're going pro in baseball once you sign that deal? Bueno, el que más contento todo fue mi hermano, porque como le dije el otro día fue que él siempre soñó con ser pelotero profesional, también jugó pelota, igual que mi papá, pero él fue el que más contento se puso porque uno de los logros lo consiguió uno de los hermanos más pequeños y hoy en día está aquí luchando por eso. Ah, uh, he's saying his brother was actually the happiest uh, person that day because uh, his brother used to play, but he didn't. He wasn't able to make it as far as he did. So, seeing his little brother accomplish that dream made him very happy. It's always great to hear, and when you get to share it with a family member like that, and you mentioned your brother maybe not going as far in baseball. So, what was it like when your professional career? You hear it a lot from guys who come from overseas that made their first start on the state side when you made that professional uh, debut. Um, here in America when you'd gotten away from the Dominican Republic. What was that experience like for you, and was that a really big moment you felt, a milestone maybe in your career? Él dice, tú sabes que ustedes juegan allá. El momento que te dijeron que ya que tú ibas a viajar, que cómo tú te sentiste en tu primera actuación aquí en Estados Unidos, cómo, que cómo te sentiste. Bueno, me he sentido verdaderamente contento porque yo nunca pensé venir aquí a Estados Unidos a través de, del béisbol. Fue algo sumamente emocionante, al igual como le dije de mi hermano, él se puso bien contento y, y estuvo luchando conmigo hasta que Dios, Dios se lo llevó. Uh, yeah, um, he's saying that uh, he was in the Dominican playing, so sometimes it's kind of hard, once you get drafted there, it's hard to get right. uh, in the training team that comes to spring training from there. So he was very happy being able to accomplish that, come here. He felt it was kind of different compared to the Dominican baseball here because here was like kind of a little bit more organized and like more like you had to do this, do that. And uh, he also mentioned that uh, he was very pleased that his brother was with him on the way, helping him out. So it's been good. Yeah, that makes it uh, always here. It's, it's very tough, right, the transition because it's, you know, a new. it's the same profession, but as you mentioned, different in the way that it's kind of organized and also just a different culture that you have to get used to. What have you felt like maybe is something that is still a little weird in the U.S. side of things when you come over here, just the difference culturally that you maybe still have to adjust to so far? La, la comida es diferente, también que allá tú conoces a todo el mundo, todo el que vive a tu alrededor, aquí no, aquí todo el mundo es en su territorio, nadie se mete con nadie, todo el mundo tranquilo. He's saying uh, the food here is completely different <laughs> to begin with, and then like over there in the Dominican, being such a small country, like you know a lot of people, like people know you. Well, being here, he's saying, like, people are more reserved. Everyone's doing their thing. So that's the what he thinks different from being in the Dominican. And I imagine the, the weather is a little bit different, at least so far early this year. Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, no translation needed on that one. It's cold right now here in the Midwest. Well, we had some fun with you when you were on the pregame show and you were telling us kind of a funny story on the other sports that you have played. You mentioned basketball and how that career had come to an end. I was wondering if you could just take us through the basketball career for Gerard Encarnacion that was. Sí, yo, yo jugué mucho por, por mi casa, sí, fui a torneo antes de jugar profesional, fui a torneo nada más y, y cuando ya me, me, me vi concentrado en el béisbol, tuve que dejarlo y seguir en el He's saying it was fun while he was playing basketball. He was playing uh, around his neighborhood. He also played for the team in a couple of tournaments. But once he saw, like, uh, the eye on him was more towards baseball, he just decided to quit basketball and pursue his career as a baseball player. Well, I would say a, a pretty good choice because the professional career has landed you here in Clinton. Well, we had some fun with you as well with the questionnaires that we asked them all. N Nestor, you, of course, filled one out for us, too. <laughs> Wanted to start, though, with Gerard. And you mentioned that we asked who the best prankster was on the team, and Gerard put himself. So I was wondering if he could give us an example of a prank and why he finds himself to be the best at it here for the 2019 Lumber Kings. <laughs> He's saying that right now he doesn't have something that he will come up with, but the moment will dictate like what he's gonna do. But I've been around him; he's pretty good at it. You know what? It's that funny. is that is a great answer. That you will see exactly why I'm number one when it comes. You'll know. <laughs> Well, the other questions that we had asked you to, again, we're visiting here with Gerard Encarnacion and Esther Batista, who has been kind enough to translate. We, you mentioned your celebrity crush being Rihanna. I was wondering just how long that has been the case, because she's got a career that has stretched some years now. Cuando yo estaba más muchachito, podemos decir, yo veía sus videos y sus canciones y cosas, y veía cosas que yo decía, wow. He said that when he was growing up, he used to see uh, her music videos and how she dances on that music videos, he would be like, oh, wow. That's <laughs> <laughs> one way to get the idea. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I guess it should have been self-explained, so maybe we can file that on my part as a, as a dumb question. <laughs> well, I wanted to, to let you go with this, or, or maybe I'll have a follow-up after it, but the, the goals coming in here to 2019, the season, uh, we mentioned a hot start for you. What was something that you would like to see yourself be at when 2019 comes to an end, a particular area maybe of the game that you're focusing on here? Bueno, eso no lo tengo yo 
ojalá yo y termine en grande liga, ¿sabes? Pero eso solamente lo, 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 lo sostiene Dios y Él es el único que sabe dónde yo voy a terminar y cómo voy a terminar. He's saying that uh, he cannot say what's going to happen until the end, that God, God is the one that is going to take him to the process and see what's going to happen. But he would like to see himself in the big leagues by the end of the year, but it all depends on what God, what God plans is. Absolutely. And for Gerard uh, uh, Encarnacion, too, you mentioned your, your favorite coach had been Mike Jacobs. You had him last season in Batavia. What do you like so much about working under this skipper that is here with you in Clinton as well? Y siempre está ahí conversando con nosotros y diciéndonos las cosas como son. Y tratando de tener una conversación con nosotros para que nosotros sigamos en el proceso y que nunca nos detengamos. He said he likes how he's with all the players. Like, whenever you have a bad day or something, he'll sit down with you and guide you through things on how you should take stuff. Like, he played in the big leagues, he's been in the minors, so he knows the whole process, so he likes that they can relate to him and he can help them out with the knowledge that he has. Yeah, it's very important, too, on that journey towards the major leagues. Well, Nestor, we just wanted to, to let it go with a question with, for you. And we know you right. were placed on the disabled list, the first roster move of the season, but you're still with the team, which is always a good sign. So how are you feeling, even though you are on the injured list, I I'm should say? I'm good. It's tough being in the injured list, but I'm trying to do my best to be back out on the field. I'm working with Melissa. She's doing a great job with me, so... Hopefully I'll be back soon. Yeah, we all are hoping for that. All the Lumber Kings as well. That is Nestor Bautista, who was kind enough to translate for us. Gerard Encarnacion, who is one of the big bats in the middle of the order and an everyday right fielder here in Clinton. Thanks for taking the time, guys, and I guess enjoy the kind of off day now with the rain that has unfortunately postponed the finale against the River Bandits. Thank you. And you just heard from Gerard Encarnacion and Nestor Bautista here on A-Ball with Eric Ose. Big thanks to both of them for taking the time on what was a rainout day on Thursday. That was supposed to be a series finale with the Quad Cities River Bandits. So we had a little bit of time on our hands, and we decided that we'd get the both of them. We want to hear from everyone on this team throughout the season, or at least as best we can. Fortunately for guys like Michael Donatio, that will not be the case as he is promoted up to high A in Jupiter. But... For guys like Gerard Encarnacion, a language barrier will not deter us. So we had to find who the best translator was. And the guy who gave us that information, well, that was Humberto Mejia, one of the Lumber King starting pitchers. And the starting pitching, which has been so strong early on, also giving us great recommendations on translators. Mejia, a Panama City native, his next start will be coming up on Wednesday when this episode will be coming out. That will be the series finale against the Peoria Chiefs. That is going to be a 12.05 start time, central daylight time for us. Lumber Kings will then be coming back home to take on the Wisconsin Timber Rattlers and the Beloit Snappers for a homestand that will be split up by a Sunday off day for Easter here in the Midwest League. 
Well, the team that has been shaping up through the first nine games, it has been a talented bunch to say the least and with the flashes. And we have seen for the Lumber Kings as of late, the emergence of Connor Scott. He had come into the what turned out to be the series finale with Beloit going two for 30 to start the season. That had included 12 strikeouts and four walks, some long at bats and some, you know, bad luck, I'd say at times with just hard hit balls in the wrong spot. Well, I'd say that kind of evened out a little bit for Scott on his final con- or his last contest against the Beloit Snappers, which had come on Saturday because he, he had some good luck. He had a couple of balls that were hit in the infield, and that for Connor Scott is a good thing when you make the infielders have to maybe range a little bit to get them because this guy has got speed. And so if you give him just a little bit of time, a, a ground ball becomes a lot more interesting than just a ground ball. And for the Beloit Snappers, they got an education. Scott with infield singles in the first and the fifth, and then in the fifth inning, as we referenced in the intro, two stolen bases for Connor Scott, second and third. Those were his first of the season, then had the dramatic game-tying double in the eighth inning. So Connor Scott, a very impressive day at the plate. That average, as is the case when it's this early in the season, it skyrocketed up to the 100s, and a, a, I think it was 60 points in total is what it was raised by for Connor Scott. Lumber Kings also seen a, a strong start to the season by a guy that maybe isn't talked about a whole lot, and that is Demetrius Sims. He comes in with a 300 average the first nine games of the 2019 season, and Sims has also been turning in very patient at bats, had another walk. He had one game that I guess you can call a clunker so far this year, 0 for 4 with four strikeouts. Jacobs then gave him the day off the following day to kind of clear the head, and Sims, even though he's been around the 8 or the 9 hitter for the most of the season early on, He's kind of like another leadoff hitter. Kind of hesitate saying that because it's sort of a cliche nowadays when you put a guy at the nine hole that you've got back-to-back leadoff hitters in your lineup. But Sims, he does, he really is a leadoff hitter just by the way he conducts himself at the plate. It's long at bats, lots of walks. Uh, the, the approach, it seems like, at the plate is to find holes in the defense and not necessarily to you know hit one out of the ballpark. And so Sims, who has just the one professional career home run, but an average of 300 to start this season has included three multi-hit games as well. And it really is kind of a contrast to a lineup that has the big power. And you know it's going to come. Sean Reynolds, who is still homerless on this season, that will likely be changing. And we've seen it already change right in front of our eyes. Christopher Torres, Gerard Encarnacion, and Marcos Rivera, as well as the now-promoted Michael Donadio all with the home runs for the Lumber Kings, and as we would imagine, that will be continuing throughout the season. And, of course, we wanted to highlight our first community outing. It is something that is emphasized in the Marlins organization, the role in the community that these players play. We had our first of those on Thursday during that rainout at home in Clinton against the Quad Cities River Bandits. So we wanted to end the episode by giving a tip of our cap to Sean Reynolds, Thomas Jones, and Bubba Hollins, who were with us on that community outing. They were big hits, and what they were doing was reading A to Z baseball books. Uh, What you had to do was find a letter that pertained to baseball with each letter in the alphabet, and they they had some help from the students, and I think Bubba Hollins maybe had one of the comments of the day saying that he was afraid that one of the kids, when they got to O, was going to say, Ofer, and he knew he would have a comedian on his hands. Thomas Jones, when it came to the letter S, said, you got to have swag. That is the most important S baseball word that he could think of, and that was 
confirmed by Bubba Hollins, who said that Thomas Jones leads the Lumber Kings in swag. He is one of the top prospects, of course, in the Marlins organization. Last I had seen it by MLB.com, ranking him at 30 on the top 30 list. Jones off to a a bit of a tough start, but he had a multi-hit game in the finale against the Beloit Snappers. That was his first of the season. Also, a stolen base as well for Jones, which if you're familiar with his work from a year ago in Greensboro, had 20 of them, it's very easy to see why. This guy has great instincts over at first. On the stolen base that we saw, he's now got two on the season in the eighth. It was just more of the same from Jones, a very quick runner. I mean, that's what you get from a guy who is scouted in football as a safety, but also great instincts on the base pass. I think the A's back in the 70s at one point hired a track star, thinking it would translate to all kinds of stolen bases. It did not because the instincts and track are a little bit different on how to read a pitcher to move up 90 feet. For Thomas Jones, it's speed and some baseball knowledge and know-how that allows to really highlight that speed and Another thing to look forward to as this season unfolds. And that will do it for our third episode here of A-Ball with Eric Ose. We hope you enjoyed the episode and that you'll be back with us next week. And this is the part where we shamelessly plug the broadcast. Of course, you can listen to all of the Lumber Kings action online at LumberKings.com via the TuneIn Radio app. For those of you that are in the broadcast range, you can find us on your FM dials at 100.3 FM WCCI. And until next week, that will do it from us from Dozer Park in Peoria, Illinois.